0: Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Knit British podcast. Knit British loves wool that's been grown, spun or dyed in the UK and on this journey through all things British connected to wool and knitting. I'm your host Louise Scully. On today's show I have some exciting news. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Make It Fit series. Indie bit of yarn Crawl, and I have an interview with Janet Renouf Miller, who's undertaking a knitting and cycle journey around Scotland. So grab a whip, grab a drink, and let's get going! Knit British is delighted to be sponsored by Brit Yarn. Brit Yarn is a brand new online retailer seeking out the very best in British wool and bringing it all into one place. To share and celebrate the love of British wool, click on the Brit Yarn banner in the show notes or visit www.brityarn.co.uk Hello and welcome to episode 32. I think I have decided to record on the noisiest day possible because I'm only on the introduction and I've been sitting here in the bedroom slash recording studio for about 20 minutes, pausing every single time a car goes past or some people decide to stand outside the very window and <laughs> have a bloody chat. Um possibly because this is actually the nicest day it's been so far this week and there are a lot more people around so I do, I do apologise. The outtakes from this episode already are blue. Really, really blue. How on earth are you? I'm so happy to have you join me today. It's really good. I've had some amazing feedback in the last couple of weeks from new listeners and from those of you who have been with uh, Knit British for a while now. Thank you so much. I love hearing from you. I really, really do. I love getting your getting your emails and and your comments and it's always lovely when you tell me that you really enjoy the podcast and thank you and and welcome in i hope you have your whip and your beverage i've actually set my whip down for a little while a little more on that in a moment drinking about my 10th glass of water today i actually drink quite a lot of water i'm not one of these people who says i must drink more water i probably drink about six liters a day but i'm really dehydrated today again possibly down to the weather <laughs> i don't know Lots and lots to talk about on today's show. And as you would have heard at the at the start there, Knit British is, is sponsored for the first time and I'm really excited to tell you a little bit more about that. That's been something that's been on the cards for a wee whiley now. Uh I'm going to tell you a little bit about Make It Fit and some of the developments there and some news. Also, I've got a, a brilliant interview. The other week, I talked to Janet Renouf Miller, and I actually this was a lady that I met at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. She was teaching some classes, and she is undertaking a journey up the west coast of Scotland and back down the east on a folding bicycle, and she is going to be knitting her way around Scotland uh, for a special. A book and exhibition project. I've got an interview with her a little bit later on and IndieBuddy Yarn Crawl is next week and so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But um, first up I thought I would talk a little bit about my current whips and cast on cast off. I haven't actually cast anything on. That's that's two episodes now that I haven't cast anything on so I think I'm doing well considering, considering the last time I talked to you I was having a bit of a uh, cast onitis feeling coming up, coming over me, but thankfully it's stayed a feeling and I haven't cast anything new on. I have been knitting on my hap. The, the hap along is, is still go- going great guns, and I announced the prizes in a blog post this week. We have had some fantastic prizes donated for those of you who are taking part in the HapCal. We've got a gift voucher from Fondant Fibre for £20. We also have one of Deb's natural selection uh, packs of comb tops of British breed wool. And there's actually some rare breed fibre in there. We've got a bag donated by the fantastic Lou Lee, uh, Lou Lee Bags on Etsy. And uh, also she is a new uh, video podcaster. Uh, a huge, huge bag. I think this is actually one of the ones she calls a medium-sized bag on her Etsy shop. I'll have to, I'll have to look at that and, and correct myself. But this bag... It's bigger on the inside. Let's just say it's Tardis Proportions, Time Lord Technology. And uh, I've I've got one myself that has my full hap in it and two giant cakes of yarn and it can still close. So thank you so much to Lou Lee. That's a fantastic prize. And Deb as well. A friend of Knit British has donated some fantastically sunshiny yarn and I have some yarny prizes. So go over and have a look at the Hapalong Prizes post I'll put a link in the show notes I had a bit of a hap horror this weekend this is the second hap horror story I'm, t- I'm telling you you might remember I had a bit of a horror with one of my coroners um, the other week I didn't realise how much dye transfer was coming off the yarn that I was working with until I looked at my hands and they looked like they were bruised <laughs> Like they'd gone through uh, some sort of mangle or something. (laughs) They were dark purple. And uh, I realised that this was coming off the dark purple that I had changed. Um, i just changed colour. I I think you might remember that I I said that I'm doing my old chill border on my my Hansel in three colours. Slight gradient feel, just very slight gradient feel. And I'd moved on from the lilac grey to the purple and... Didn't quite realise that it was quite a lot of dye transfer. And I tweeted a picture of it and lots of people said try colour catchers. Why don't you just, you know, don't worry about it too much and things. And I thought oh, I could do that not, or I could just not wet block it. But the fact that the dye is transferring so much without even being wet is a bit of a worry. And I, I knit 200 grams of cream yarn into the centre of that. Um, hap so I don't think I'm going to chance it so I think I'm going to rip out those I think I've done about maybe not quite 18 rows of old shale probably about 500 and odd stitches that's fine <laughs> I've got good with it I say that I haven't ripped it out yet <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah I think I'll I'll leave that for for a rainy day so to speak and what I'll do is I'll wash the yarn uh, with a bit of vinegar and hopefully most of that dye will come out. It's ridiculous. I've had such a terrible time with dye transfer recently because I bought <laughs> I bought three pairs of new uh jeans <laughs> and I don't know for about 3 weeks now I've had I've had permanently purple blue legs because even though I've washed them I don't know how many times <laughs> the indigo dye is still in there. So I'm not having much luck. Um but So the hap is resting at the moment until I can pluck up the courage to, to rip that out. But I do know that ripping out those heroes is the best thing and it's not like I'm ripping out and starting again, um, as Orange Juice would say. So, Or paraphrase, Orange Juice. So that's fine. That's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I have been trying to finish my Mama Vertebrae by Kelly Brooker and I would like to finish this for the IndieBerry yarn crawl next week. I'm knitting this uh, with two skeins of Voluptuous from Skin Queen, which I'm just so in love with Skin Queen. Just, just love the yarn and the colours that she dyes. The vertebrae for my size is going to take, um, I think it's a thousand yards and I have over that, but I think that is for three quarter length sleeves. And i uh, a hemline that just sort of stops at the maybe at the the waist. So I I like it a little bit longer. So what I've done is I've knit I've knit to the end of the stockinette on the body, and I've just knit five centimeters of uh, my chosen edging on that. So I've just stopped there, just short short of doing the edging. And what I've done is I've, I'm knitting the first sleeve, and I'm gonna see if I can knit a full length sleeve. Once I've knit knit that, I'll know. I'll know how much yarn I'll have left over to see if I can extend the body. Actually, you know, I don't mind three-quarter length sleeves either, so we'll see. I'll see. If I I think I'm going to be skimpy uh, and not going to have quite enough yarn, then I'll go with three-quarter length sleeves and knit a slightly longer body. uh, Just because it's something I'm more more comfortable with. So so that's what I'm doing, and oh my god, I hate knitting sleeves. I really hate... (laughs) hate knit sleeves because you knit and knit and knit and knit and knit and knit and knit. Then you try it on and you're still only like half a centimetre from where you were the last time you tried it on. <laughs> and what I try and do when I'm knitting a garment, you know, either in a pattern it'll say knit one sleeve, then knit one alike, which is like the most Soul destroying thing, and it would give a writing in a pattern. Uh, <laughs> but what I do is, like with the vertebrae, I, I sort of knit the body until I get sick of so- stockinette stitch, if that's what it is, and then I start one sleeve. That's if it's top down, and, and I can do that. I knit one sleeve and of course you get to the stage where you're like I can't wait to finish this sleeve so I can then you go back to the monotony of the stockinette body then you get that finished and then it's not so bad before you have to start the second sleeve but I just can't knit one sleeve then knit the other one I just can't do it like that. the sleeves who would start a pattern with the sleeves? whatever cuts the boredom <laughs> that's what I like to do so that's that's been my knitting So, as you heard at the beginning of the show, Knit British is sponsored now and sponsored by the fantastic Brit Yarn, uh, who I'll talk a little bit about uh, later on. And sponsorship is something that I have... Sort of swithered over for a long time, and I think I'll write a blog post about this this week. But I'm sure some of you will want to know why I've decided to do this after um, doing the podcast for uh, for a year now and 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 the website for much longer than that. Um, but I mean, given that Knit British is all about supporting wool grown, spun, or dyed in the UK, I've always thought that you know what I promote might be a bit niche for some some. Um, businesses and to be honest it would be totally counterintuitive for me to have Knit British sponsored by someone who didn't have British rule as focus or interest it just, it just wouldn't work and that's really why I've never had sponsors for Knit British in the past but when Isla approached me Oh, last year, and told me about her exciting plans about Brit yarn, and she wanted to sponsor it British. It was just such a natural fit because Brit yarn it says it there in the name. Isla is so committed to promoting and selling and sourcing wool from the British Isles and the British overseas territories, and as I say, it's just a natural fit. Someone who not only stocks their shop with British wool, but has a real love and appreciation for British sheep breeds, British indie designers, and passing on and sharing that love, I'm sure you agree that um, it's a bit of a match made in heaven, really. Another reason I thought long and hard about sponsorship is that I listen to a lot of podcasts, and some are crafty and some are non-crafty, and and a lot of them um, are sponsored. And I have to say, a lot of podcasts and... Mostly non-crafty, and and quite a lot of them are 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 American. I'm afraid to say. The podcast host sounds quite detached from the product or the service that's sponsoring them. You know, the message is is often quite flat. their voice can become flat too. And you know, it could be that that product has absolutely little to do with the show or the content that they have um, worked so long and hard on. And that's why there's a notable disassociation. It really makes me cringe when I listen to that and there's a there's a history podcast that I listen to, and the hosts are so enthusiastic and you can tell they spend such a long time researching their um their content then they break in the middle to talk about loans and incontinence pants and all these things that give them their due they really do try and talk about it with the same amount of enthusiasm, but for the most part there is a detachment with many of these podcasts from from their sponsor and as I say that makes me cringe and I want I whiz through them, you know, I fast forward through them. I don't I don't think that um, you need to dilute your content so badly, you know, and make yourself sound so flat and, and so distant from from that service. And you know, I am genuinely proud and so delighted to be sponsored by Brick Yarn. And I really hope you can hear that in my voice, because I can't stop smiling about it. You know, you won't hear that kind of detachment from me for reasons that I've said before, you know, that, that sponsors have to have a a very good fit with Knit British. I I won't have anything sponsored in Knit British that doesn't have an interest or, or a focus in British wool. But you know, whenever I feature yarn designers, local yarn shops, anything like that on Knit British, I am properly excited to do that. You know, I would never review or feature something on Nip just that I didn't want to. And I would never talk about something positively that I actually thought was less than that. You guys deserve more and you expect more from me. And I think all the way through I've I've, I've said this and I think that's very evident. And so too with sponsorship, it's the same deal. I'm not going to have anything dilute my content with anything less than something exciting and fantastic and something that I really I'm eager to share with you and I I would never have anything on this show that I didn't actually love myself and want to say here guys you should look at this too. I've been quite sure to me- to say these things to you before on the podcast and again you know now I, I want to just reiterate it and I hope that, that this excites you too and- there will obviously be people who want to whiz through the ads like I do. I do that. It's fine. I hope you, you know, feel free to do that. But I hope what I want to to do out of having Nick British sponsored is to make that relationship part of the podcast rather than a segment that is separate to it. And Isla and I have been working together to bring some very exciting things indeed. So you are going to want to keep your ears pinned back for that. Now, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, who the heck is Brit Yarn, then where the heck have you been? <laughs> for the last couple of months, Ayla has been tweeting about Brit Yarn and about the exciting, impending fantasticness that is her online retailer outlet, Brit Yarn. And this week, on Tuesday, Ayla flung open those doors... And they were flung open into a whole world of love for her new shop and everybody was very keen to share and celebrate in the love of British wool. And when I say that Isla is sharing her love of British wool, she has created the wooly principles on which to build Brit yarn. And I'm going to read these out to you because I think it's really important to understand Isla's vision so let's have a quick look at the woolly principles. First and foremost Brit yarn must love it if they're going to stock it. Brit yarn believes in using materials and patterns that they love to create beautiful long lasting items. Brit yarn embraces provenance. It's hugely important to Isla as far as possible to know the origins of the products and share those details with the customers Brit yarn will clearly outline where the wool was spun and dyed and some of the wool may be Spun or died outside Britain and if it is it will be clearly marked and it's all about being able to trace the journey of the product and make informed choices Brit Yarn's definition of British includes British overseas territories Hooray for that Brit Yarn celebrates the British wool industry Wool content in a yarn must be 100% British grown Any natural fibres where present in a blend, example linen, will comprise a maximum of 50% of the total content. Synthetic material where present in a blend, example nylon, will comprise a maximum of 25% of the total content. Brit Yarn supports British businesses. Wool, patterns and accessories as well as business support will be sourced exclusively from British suppliers. We believe in shopping local and helping to sustain British businesses those Wooly principles are are fantastic and it just shows how dedicated Isla is and you know if you think that is attention to detail and going the extra mile for the customer then you really should have a look at the Brit Yarn website. I was really lucky to have a look around it before it opened and it's colourful, it's 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 really visually pleasing. But what I love most is Isla's attention to detail in all of the pattern descriptions and wool descriptions and I do implore you to go over and have a look. It's fantastic. Isla really has sought out the best of British wool and got it all under her roof there from Jamieson Smith to Blacker to Wednesday Long Wool Sheep Shop, West Yorkshire Spinners and yarn from dyers such as the Knitting Goddess and Eden Cottage Yarns and a exclusive colour palette from Yarns from the Plain which was really popular and I think a lot of uh, the colourways are actually sold out now but there will be more coming soon. There really is just a fantastic range of British wool there that's going to suit everybody's knitting needs and in addition to that there are Notions and Project Bags and Isla has an unbelievable selection of patterns and books from some of the most popular indie UK-based designers... ...such as Carrie Westman, Rachel Coopie, Jo Scrace, Inspiration Knits, Kate Davis, just to mention a few. Now, there's going to be a Wool of the Month every month at Brick Yarn. And for June, it is Blacker Leoness Double Knit, which you will remember is the yarn that I reviewed in episode 28 of the podcast... Which totally changed my opinion of summer yarns. And I mean here, yarns with with linen content. Because a lot of yarns with linen content can be crunchy and heavy. And to me anyway. But Leoness changed my view of all of that. It is lustrous. It is drapey. It has fantastic stitch definition. I wove a little sample with this yarn and was just in love with it and I'll put a link in the show notes so you can refresh your memory of my review and you can find Blacker Leoness, Falkland Corridale with Linen, fifty-fifty blend in six colours for £5.75 at Brit Yarn. Do visit brityarn.co.uk or click on the image in the show notes to see the British wool wondrousness for yourself and stay tuned because Isle and I have been plotting and planning on something special coming your way very soon also watch out on the Knit British blog for a Q&A with Isla coming up very soon and you can find all those links and everything in the show notes. In addition to her website, Isla has a blog and a Ravelry group and you can also sign up for newsletter update. And don't forget that she tweets and is on Instagram as Brit Yarn. <laughs> Thank you so much for your interest and feedback that so many of you have given to Joe Millmine and I since we mentioned our Make It Fit series. If you missed the info about this, Joe, who is Shiny Bees, and I are going to curate some posts tackling questions, common complaints and issues surrounding knitting items to fit. We opened a make it fit chat thread in both the Knit British and Shiny Bees group, and there is such a lot of good chat in there, and people sharing their own success and horror stories about knitting to fit. There are, of course, quite a few blogs and books and, and projects uh, tackling this subject. We we're not claiming to be expert, but why we have been sort of mobilised to do this is to is because of the sheer amount of issues surrounding measuring modifications etc etc and we really just wanted to pull all those issues and questions into one place and, and and sort of try and tackle them and again we're not we're not experts it's a journey of learning and journey of discovery and as we've said before that involves you and your stories and uh, and your experiences and we hope they'll be really really helpful and practical and enable more people to um, start knitting items that they feel comfortable in. Who hasn't knit a pattern that they've knit the size that they think they are? Hand is way up here. Uh, so that is what Make It Fit is going to be about and, and we're going to concern ourselves uh, in the first few posts with measurements. And we are going to be having um a SurveyMonkey link that you will be able to put your measurements into and you can probably print that off and keep that for your own for your own references. But most importantly, the information that you put in there, we're gonna collate that anonymously, of course, with everyone else who puts their measurements in and build up an image of what actually is an average in size and that's another question and series of posts we'll tackle along the way. Jo and I will have some posts coming up very soon and we're gonna be hosting the posts on our on our own websites. We'll post links in Ravelry groups but don't worry if you miss a post. You can sign up to our monthly newsletter and I'll put the link in the show notes. And if you if you subscribe to that we'll send you out a monthly newsletter with all the links to the posts um, from that month, uh, and everything that we've shared, and 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 the news for that month, so that it's pulled together in one place, so you won't miss out. We know that measuring up is one of the biggest issues, and I say that uh, with a good deal of personal experience. And I think it's it's one of those big things, big issues, because we're unsure what to measure, how to measure, where to measure. Um, so. June is going to be about grabbing the tape measure and a helpful hand and measuring up. Now, Joe and I are going to be indie bit of yarn crawl, and we will be that helping hand for you if if you need a helping hand in in measuring. And we do recommend that you find that you ask a friend to help you with the measuring because it's very difficult to get accurate results by measuring yourself and it's just really good to have someone hold the tape make sure it's even hold it at the same snugness all the way down all the way around your body so we do recommend that but as I say if you're at IndieBilly Yarn Crawl you can come and find Joe and I and we will help we will be those helping hands and give you your write down your measurements for you we are gonna organize some times to be available in the Safari Lounge but all that information will come uh, via Twitter or via social media or Ravelry when we get that straight so that's next weekend and there'll be more details coming up on that soon we've had some brilliant emails and great chat in the threads so check them out and do add your own Um, hints and tips and stories to the conversation and you can also email us at makeitfit2015 at gmail.com As an ongoing part of Make It Fit I'm going to review the custom fit um, system which is the system that Amy Herzog uses and I'm going to review that as we go along so there'll be posts on that too we're going to have some guest posts lined up if you've done a craftsy class on, on making knitting items to fit if you... You take your measurements and you have your own system to knit to fit. That would be great. If you want to write about your experiences, do drop us a line at makeitfit2015 at gmail.com. We would really love to hear from you. So much more coming on that in the next week. And as I mentioned there, IndieBuddy Yarn Crawl is next weekend. How exciting are you going? Have you got classes booked? I believe there are just one or two spaces left on Claire Divine's workshops over the weekend, there's going to be a, a magic loop workshop on Friday evening, and there's only one space left on that. There's also going to be the same magic loop workshop on. Sorry, that's my email. On Sunday, uh, the 14th, from 11 uh, 11 till one, there is a introduction to socks workshop on Saturday from two till five. There's some spaces left on that, I believe. There's also a two at a time, anything two at a time, mitts or socks, on Sunday from 1.30 to 4.30. And do go over to gingertwiststudios.com forward slash workshops to check out the availability of those classes and book them. I am really excited. I have other Edinburgh plans while I'm in town, but I'm really, I'm looking forward to the socialising more than anything. And I'm going to have my mic with me. And if you want to stop and chat about Make It Fit or Knit Local or anything, we can have a Knit British open mic just come up, tap me on the shoulder. And you don't even have to say your real name. You can give your a rivalry name. You can be anonymous uh, if you want to to talk about anything on the knit british podcast then i'm giving you that opportunity but i am just really looking forward to this crawl and do come and say hello and let me know if you're going to be there i will definitely be at the safari lounge after party and of course as i've previously mentioned i will be hanging out with my make it fit buddy joe millmine so you can check out the indie buddy yarn page on facebook and also at (laughs) gingertwiststudios.com I want to say a very quick uh, hello to new kids in the Knit British Ravelry group. Adabar, who is from Germany. We've got Tats Dent, who is Angela from North Yorkshire. Red Lentil, who is Lou from Hampshire. Hi, Lou. Ramsey Baggins, who is Pip from Glasgow. Hi, Pip. Ted Berlin, who is Ted from Chicago, Illinois. And MJ Hawkeye, who's Melanie from Victoria in Australia. Hello to all you guys. And a big hello if you stopped by the Knit British Ravelry group this week and left a comment. There's been lots of you you happers out there. In the Knit British hello thread, we've got uh, Wooly Thistle, who is... Gixie from originally from the Netherlands, I hope I've said that right, who's been living in the UK for quite some time. I'm enjoying the podcast a lot and love hearing about British yarns I haven't tried yet. My favourites at the moment are Jimison Smith Jumper Weight. It seems to be the only thing I knit with. Wensleydale Long Wheel Sheep Shop and different Blacker Yarns. I'm very tempted to join in the Hapalong, but find it very hard to find time to knit at the moment, as my three-year-old twins keep me very busy. I'm sure they do. Looking forward to a time when I can actually get some knitting done instead of just dreaming about it and nice to meet you all. Lovely to meet you, Willie Thistle. And Ramsey Baggins, Pip. I'm Pip and I live in Glasgow, but I'm actually Northern Irish. I won't do my Northern Ireland accent. Um, as I've said in previous podcasts, I am I am terrible for picking up people's accents when I'm talking to them, so... I'll try not to do this. Do it now. I've only started listening to the podcast yesterday at my friend's recommendation and I'm really enjoying it so far. I've been knitting for nearly four years now and I'm very much a yarn addict. I'm looking forward to stashing some more British yarns in the future. I have important projects and need done by October, so no hap along for me this time. That's quite alright, Pip, because I think the hat bug has really bitten a lot of people and I think there's going to be hap haps knit from here to eternity so I wouldn't worry too much about not joining in with the cowl. And finally Lily77, hello I'm Lee from Aberdeen and I'm just listening to episode 31 I first discovered you last week when you had the Jimisons episode. I'm new to the podcast thing after getting bored listening to music walking um, or at work. I'm quite new to knitting too, I only learned at the beginning of last year but I'm hooked. Speaking of hooked, I can crochet too. I'm laughing at myself after hearing you talking about whip assessment I do this too. Even new knitters can build up quite a whip pile or maybe that's just me, looking forward to your next episode, thank you so much Lily77 and thank you everybody who took the time to drop a message in the knit British group and even Lurk, we love the Lurkers, say hello you Lurkers, I know there are lots of you who who contact me personally to say that you like to Lurk but don't often uh, get involved with the conversation Uh, thank you so much for dropping me a line, I really appreciate that It was at Edinburgh Yarn Festival that I first met Janet Renouf Miller, who is a a textile artist and she has the Create With Fibre website. She told me that she's undertaking this journey around Scotland, 850 miles on a Brompton folding bicycle and she's going to be knitting and crocheting the things that she sees and which inspire her on the way and offering workshops and tuition in return for a bite to eat or a bed for the night. I had a chat with her on Skype uh, to hear more about it and I'm going to leave you with that with that interview. You can find out more by visiting the Create With Fibre website, which is createwithfiber.co.uk. You can help support the project by visiting the blogspot createwithfibre.blogspot.co.uk All the links are in the show notes and I think you'll agree that this sounds like a really fun way to connect with people and appreciate a landscape in a totally different way. Janet is going to be cre- uh, publishing a book and creating uh, various local exhibitions after her journey and I am sure you will agree after listening to our chat that it sounds like such an interesting and inspiring project. Thank you so much for joining me again for another episode of Knit British and thank you so much for all your feedback and your contacts since last you met and and I will catch up with you again after the Indieberry yarn crawl. Do come back and keep your ears peeled because there is going to be an exciting announcement from myself and Isla from Brit Yarn so do come back for that. Have a fantastic couple of weeks and until next time I leave you with Janet and I and a journey of inspiration. So do you want to talk a little bit about why you decided that you were going to undertake this this massive journey? Do you want to talk a bit about that?
1: Okay well it's kind of not massive in one way because it's one day at a time and I'm only doing a little bit each day so that's the way I I keep looking at it. Um, I don't know where the idea came from which sounds really daft but I think it's just because I've always been a keen cyclist, always been a keen knitter and crocheter and obviously I'm a fibre artist in terms of how I earn my living and it just seemed to combine everything that I love to do really and I wanted to write another book and also to develop the artistic side of what I do a bit further and have an exhibition and this seemed like a great way to communicate I suppose my love of Scotland and of knitting through an exhibition.
0: So the plan is that you're going to knit and crochet the things that you see on the journey. Is this something that that you do quite often when you're on bike rides? Are you inspired by the things that you see?
1: Well, I'm one of those cyclists who would drive everyone mad if I was on a group run of serious people because I'd always be wanting to get off and look at things. (laughs) And my husband made a psychic comment once because I found 40 quid at the side of the road in a (laughs) lay-by. with a load of tenants, beer cans, and a used condom. And he said, well, that's just typical of you, isn't it? And But what (laughs) interested me as much as the money was actually the story. That Obviously, we all know the story there, but there was nothing Mm -hmm. you could do to give the money back to anybody. So we just took the kids out and had a nice slap-up meal. But it fascinates me what you find at the side of the road. Well, one of the things I found about three months ago was a drum kit a whole drum kit and you just think what happened there and then someone actually a knitting group said, Well I know what the story is there. Someone was being driven mad by the noise and they took it out in the dead of night and dumped it. And you just think <laughs> It's the stories, isn't it? That that are so fascinating. But not just yeah, things I'm... like that, wildlife as well. So like we have ospreys nesting near us at Loch Dune, and the road I quite often cycle along is behind Loch Dune over a range of hills. I was cycling along it the other day and I saw an osprey, a hawk and a seagull having an altercation and I stood and watched it <laughs> off my bike for about 10 minutes and it was just amazing. And I thought, you know, I wouldn't have even been on that stretch. You wouldn't walk it. And if you were in a car, you'd never have even known they were there. And it's just mm-hmm. a wonderful, liberating thing when when you see things that you would never, ever see.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, I and I can imagine that that there's going to be a lot to see on this journey and you you're planning to um, knit and crochet as you go along and then that's going to become part of the ex- exhibition at the end of it yeah it?
1: well I'm cheating a bit I'm doing some before I go mainly because to get exhibition scheduled you have to have something to show people or else they're just saying well I don't know what you mean really they can't picture it and I think knitting and crochet in exhibitions Probably p- people are thinking, well, it's going to be, you know, like something um you wear. They, c- they just can't picture how you could crochet things like a bike or the Isle of Mole Ferry
0: or <laughs>
1: a packet of smoked salmon to give you three examples of what I've just been working
0: on. <laughs> Because you had some, some examples at Edinburgh Yarn Festival as well. Yeah. You? you had some of your slugs and worms and um, that sort of the wildlife side of yeah. it. But I, I, I bet there'll be some very interesting things you'll find.
1: I feel yeah. the bugs and the creepy crawlies are very important because people focus on trying to save red squirrels and ospreys. But actually, we need to start at the bottom of the food chain with what we save. We need to save all the little bugs and creepy crawlies and things that, you know, the thousands and thousands of species at the bottom of the food chain if those at the top are ever going to survive and obviously the habitats for all those little creepy crawlies are really important as well so i suppose that's partly why that bit interests me so much
0: it's fantastic and you're and so each day on your journey you're also going to is it every day you're going to be offering the free uh workshops been looking at your itinerary and i see that you've got a lot of um workshops already organized but uh, i also did read that you were going to be offering free one-on-one uh workshops for a, either a bed for the night or an evening meal or um similar
1: yeah whatever happens really and however the mood takes me i won't be saying no to anybody if i can possibly help it um <laughs> but at the same time quite a lot of those workshops already are tied in with a bed for the night or a free meal or whatever. And it's Excellent. just like a bunch of folk in somebody's house. Some of them are bigger, like New Lanark Heritage Centre is quite an important one because obviously they are yarn spinners of, of British yarn and I'm hoping to use quite a substantial amount of their yarn in the project. So I was really, really pleased when they wanted to
0: have a workshop at New Lanark that's a really important place as well because you're going to get people who are coming there with the interest in wool but it, it'll be really interesting the people that you meet on the journey as well who might might think what is this lady doing but then also will learn something you know about what is you're doing and maybe maybe learn to knit and learn to crochet or um so it's a really it's a really nice way of connecting with people
1: yeah I mean it'd be really cool if I'm in a cafe and end up teaching somebody to knit or crochet or if I'm on a campsite and get chatting to someone and they say Oh, I've always wanted to do that and obviously I'll just do that because yeah. the whole thing is about meeting people and the kind of cycling I'll be doing is the kind of cycling where you get off and you you know smell the coffee eat the cake talk to people <laughs> I don't want to be 50 miles a day more like 15 miles a day actually and not every mm-hmm. day just because the whole point is is to meet other fiber artists meet people who knit and just show that you don't have to be some super fit 30-something uh, that does 50 miles a day on a racing bike able to, to be able to go around Scotland and have a great time. And also, you don't need a car to do it.
0: And have you done this kind of, of journey before?
1: On a smaller scale, I've packed mm-hmm. a little tent and gone away either on my own or with my husband. And we just love the idea that you cycle out the door and go. You don't need anything, really. You don't have, a, have to have a plan. You don't have to get to an airport just set off and Scotland's ideal for it because the the relatively small distances between destinations mean you're never far from a cafe or a pub or somewhere to
0: camp so it's a really great country to do it in and what about um, kit in terms of the stuff that you're going to carry with you because it's a it's a Brompton folding bicycle that you're taking with you and and how much kit can you take with you
1: well not a huge amount but enough it has a big touring bag that clips onto the frame at the front and I put a little cycling rucksack onto the back which kind of hangs from the seat post and Mm -hmm. I just take a couple of changes of clothes and a sleeping bag and tent. I don't take a cooker, that's the magic thing, if you don't take a (laughs) cooker, you don't have to carry half a ton of stuff with you That's true. (laughs) and just little bits of yarn in different colours and shades and a couple of crochet hooks and pairs of knitting needles. And then I'll send stuff home and get other stuff posted up to me. That's the next next task, actually, is to colour code all these different yarns and um, put them on a card so that I can tell Lee I want, you know, 25 grams of number 47 or whatever, and he can make sure he sends me the right
0: one. (laughs) Yes, because it must be difficult to know which shades to bring with you when you aren't quite sure what you're going to be inspired by to, to create as well. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it really is. And I suppose that's the point of having small quantities and lots and lots of different colours mm. and taking lots of photographs and things because obviously some of the work I'll do on the way, some of it I'll do when I get back. But it's really important that I experiment enough before I can go with things, before I go with things like, you know, hill colours and sheep colours and bird colours and flower colours, all that kind of thing just so that I can do that. I was out photographing lichens this morning and just looking at the different colours for those and kind of matching them up with what I've got in terms of the yarn I've dyed uh, so that I can make lichen-covered rocks, and that was great fun.
0: So are you dyeing the yarn yourself to a great extent as well? Yes, not all of it, but quite a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And
1: using hand-spun as well? Quite a bit of hand-spun and some donated hand-spun. I've just been given some yarn by a woman whose elderly mother in Switzerland had actually spun it many years ago and she still had this yarn and didn't know what to do with it, so she's given me it for the project and I've just re-dyed it in tree and grassy type colours so that I can use it for the project. And it feels really nice to have given it a home actually, because it would probably be That's end up lovely.
0: In. Oh, that's so nice, and that's, that's such a nice way of of that to be sort of handed on in a really interesting way. That it's it's nice handed really nice. on with a story, isn't it? It oh, definitely, definitely. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, what about the book? Is, and is the book going to be patterns, or is it going to be the story of your of your journey?
1: It's going to be mainly the story of my journey. There'll be a few patterns in it, but there'll be little quirky things like how to knit or crochet a dandelion. And it'll be talking about the workshops and what happens on the way and the challenges of making the different things and stuff like that. Um, It's been published by the Low Impact Living Initiative, who's published my How to Spin book that I previously wrote. So the fact that it's got a bit of an environmental focus as well, although not in a preachy way, is something Mm -hmm. that they're quite excited about. Because obviously you do see lots of things from the side of the road that, that just have an impact on you really. And, make you think about, you know, what roads do to us and what very busy roads do to us. Like they cut communities in half. They cut wildlife corridors in half. And they make it very difficult sometimes to get from A to B. If they're, if they're too busy, you can't go yeah. unless you've got a car without being unsafe. We're fortunate in Scotland that we don't have many like that. And there's usually a bus yeah. you can jump on. So, you know, we're very, very lucky compared to some countries. But it's it's still just something to think about as I go.
0: Yeah, and, and that different perspective, as you say, some people will have never experienced that without being in a car or on a bus or on a train. I suppose on a bus or a train, you you are afforded a little bit more to look out, but on a bike, you really are. It's a different perspective altogether, and given readers and, and people who, who you're connected with on the journey, that, that perspective, that's fantastic. It's really, really insightful and unique. You had a Kickstarter. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because people can donate as well, can't they, to your journey? They
1: can donate. Not through Kickstarter anymore, unfortunately. That was a very steep learning curve for me. I'd never done anything like it before. And although I raised £1,500 through it, which was fantastic, it didn't meet the target I'd set, which means Uh. that you don't collect any of the pledges and you don't get any of the money for the project. So what I've done is put a PayPal button on my website and on the blog. And actually, that's been great because a lot of people have found that easier. So at the moment, I've raised £650, which I'm really chuffed about. And That's excellent. It's certainly a big help. And hopefully, I'll raise some more along the way and what have you. And the workshops yeah. are all oh. free. But if people donate, some people have said they want to, you know, donate a pound each or something. If they want to do that, then that's great. But there's no need for them to do that.
0: That's lovely. And I'll put a link on on uh, my show notes for this episode so that people can can find that donate button as well if they wish to do that. And I guess you're going to be blogging as well. So people yeah. who've donated will be able to catch up with you as well while you're, while you're doing this journey.
1: Yeah, I'll be blogging and I'll be using the Create with Fiber Facebook page for updates.
0: That's fantastic. How long have you been planning it?
1: I've been planning it for about a year now. And it's taken quite a long time, just the networking and getting all the workshops in place. But the thing that's taken me longest is actually working out the itinerary because I don't have a great sense of direction, which sounds crazy when I'm doing this. But (laughs) fortunately, the Cycle Touring Club has got a journey planner that you can use for bike journeys. So I've been using that to figure out how to get from A to B. And there's some bits where I hop on a bus. Like Ullapool to Dingwall is just a really long way and a really busy road. So I'm just going to get a bus.
0: I printed off your itinerary, actually. There's such a lot on there. So how did you decide which route that you were going to take from your... Because you're in Ayrshire, aren't
1: you? Yeah, I'm in Ayrshire. So I'm going up the west. I'm starting from Dalmellington, where I live, and cycling to Ayr on my first day Mm -hmm. and then doing a workshop at Burns Cottage Museum in Alloway. And so that's me. My first day cycling is the place where I nip in and out to do my shopping every day. or well, not every day, but, you know. <laughs> so um, that I'll stay the night in air. And then I'll go to Ardrossan on the train and get the ferry across to the island of Arran. And I'll mm-hmm. cycle down Arran, 19 miles to Kildonan, where there's a lovely campsite without midges, and stay there.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, do they not allow midges? Well, it's that just campsite. because it's on the
1: coast and it's breezy, so it doesn't tend to be midgy there. And I, uh. I just thought, well, do the nice thing, don't be putting up with things you don't have to really. So Exactly. <laughs> and then up to Loch on Arran, where I'm doing a workshop the day after. And then I'll have, hop across to Clanig, I'm not quite sure how you say it, on the Mullopkin Tyre. And I cycle up the Mullopkin Tyre to Kilmartin there and do a workshop at Kilmartin Museum. So I'm kind of heading it's a cycle motorway up Scotland going across Arran and going that way up really because you miss out mm-hmm. all the busy roads. So it's just been working out a combination of where's nice cycling, where I know people, and
0: where I've, where I've been asked to do workshops, really. That's, that's the way it's evolved. You leave on Monday the 29th, is the first day, and you're not going to get back home until, is it, is it um, the first week in September? Yeah, it's
1: coming back Gosh. via Free and Galloway. So, so that'll be nice because I come down from Edinburgh and I go to Haddington and in a wicks abs and then across, um, country towards Dumfries from there and up, up from Castle Douglas back to Dalmellington. So the very last Must night, I've got a friend that's got a tiny campsite on that road and I'm staying there on the last night and we're going to have a little sort of gathering. So that'll be nice.
0: I just love the fact that you've got all these little workshops along the way. All these are free. You've mentioned and you've got a link to that on your um, website, so I'll, I'll make sure that anybody um, to listen to the podcast knows where to find that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they can come along too. Such an interesting journey, and what you know, what you'll get out of it at the end is going to be—I'm sure it'll be a journey to remember. Yeah,
1: and it'll be an nice <laughs> might not want... journey too, really, for me. Just, yeah, you know, learning how to create different things yeah. that present a challenge
0: because you, you background is in fibre arts but anything in fibre arts and knitting and crochet there's all, I always think there's something always something new to learn or discover it's all it's forever a, l- a learning curve isn't it it is uh, and the things that you discover uh, on this might you know take you in all different kinds of directions bound
1: to really isn't it you just yeah. can't tell where you're going to end up which is part of the fun really
0: what about the book? Do you know when do you know when that might be out?
1: I'm hoping I'll be able to get that out for December two thousand and fifteen, but it might be a bit later than that. It might be January, February next
0: year. Brilliant, Janet. I'm really excited to, to follow you and find out how, how it's going. I am always so interested in how knitting connects people. And so something like this uh, is totally just a totally different perspective on it all. And you could be creating knitting communities as you go and connections. As I say, you never know where it might take you or how it will grab the people that you're leaving behind. So yeah. I think it's it's an awesome thing.
1: It's a huge it's such a mixture of people that I'm doing the workshops with, it really is. It's anything from knitting groups to museums and galleries and lots of textile artists as well because one of the things I quite like the idea of doing is just you know putting some of them on the map a bit and joining up the dots in the book just so that people can read
0: it and say oh yeah I'm going there I see there's a textile artist maybe go and visit. Thank you so much and the very very best of luck I can't wait to hear all about it and uh, watch your progress.
1: Thank you and um, people want to meet up or anything then give us a shout you know connect on facebook and
0: um, yeah. i'll do what i can thanks for listening to the knit british podcast to find out more visit www.knitbritish.net you can email me louise at knitbritish.net i'm on twitter and instagram as at knit underscore british and i'm on ravelry as lira you can listen to the podcast via itunes stitcher radio and knitbritish.net